Welcome to the latest podcast from Greyfriars Church in Reading. Our vision is to see Reading transformed by the love and power of Jesus. You can find out more on our website, greyfriars.org.uk. Enjoy. passage from scripture. Lord Jesus, be with us as we study your word together today. Inspire our hearts and help us to fall more deeply in love with you. Amen. Now you'll be pleased to hear, rather than me rabbit on for an extended period of time, slightly shorter than John's rabbits, but you know, we're going to go really short today. And we're going to give you some chance to unpack the word together. Um, And I'll explain how that will work in a minute. But our passage starts in a home. And that particular home is located in a town called Bethany. And Bethany is translated, the Beth part of Bethany is translated as house. So Bethany... It starts by meaning house. So house of what or house of whom? Well, actually it's translated quite bizarrely as house of misery or house of the afflicted. To give a bit of context for this, it's where Lazarus was raised from the dead. It's the hometown to a gentleman known as Simon the leper, if you read Mark 14. So some people have speculated that it was a neighborhood particularly designated for the sick and the poor, who Jesus in verse eight of our passage reminds us will always be with us. Now we arrive in this household at a troubled time. If you read the passage immediately before ours, you'll know that there's a plot to kill Jesus in the offing. And exactly one week later, Jesus's body would be silent in a tomb in a garden. However, I'd like to suggest that this household was also a place of love and relationship. Jesus is earlier described in John's Gospel as the one that Lazarus is described as the one that Jesus loves. And a meal's in progress. Now, I don't know about your house, but in most households, when a meal's going on, everyone has their own individual role or job. Now, Mary's role is at her usual place at Jesus' feet. Martha is serving. And for those of you who know the other story about Mary and Martha, there's no arguments going on in the household today. Lazarus's role is to hold a meal in honour of Jesus. Lazarus is a witness of Jesus. One that, despite mention in various Bible passages is never actually recorded as saying anything. He was raised from the dead by Jesus. So his very life is witness of the work and power of God, just as we too are witnesses, not because of anything that we can do or anything that we can say, but rather because of what Jesus has done in us. Christ's power in Lazarus's body literally raises him from the dead. And it's that same power of Christ which changes you and I from the inside out. 
So we are witnesses to Christ's power within us. So I wonder, what has Christ's power in you done? And in what way are you witness to Christ? We'll come back to that question, so don't lose track of it. But before anyone can really grasp what's going on at our meal, Mary breaks role in dramatic style. How does she get to this point? Well, in Luke 10, earlier on, we're reminded that she sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. Motivated by gratitude, in an action fueled by love, Mary breaks a bottle of expensive perfume, one that costs more than anyone in that town can really afford from a year's wages. She drenches Jesus' feet in this perfume and the fragrance fills the room. When his skin can no longer absorb the rich oil, she wipes the excess of this perfume from his feet with her hair. Now for her, this is a totally appropriate expression of love. For us today, it shows us what extravagant, wasteful worship can look like. Have you ever thought of worship as wasteful? When you literally pour out everything you can before God. Others, however, are watching in our household, ready to give their view. Judas carrying dubious motives, just as we all do at times. Dubious motives, occasionally yes. Judas loses the plot. While his heart may not be in the right place, some might argue that he has a point. Why so lavish in worship? when this money could be used better elsewhere. To those who look in on us today, who've yet to fall in love with Jesus, there may never be an explanation of worship so extravagant that it's worth pouring out a year's wages on it. Mary's act to them will either seem too intimate for, for comfort or literally too wasteful. Jesus, though, recognises that this worship was intended in verse 7. Jesus didn't seek or need this worship from Mary, whether through perception or prophetic act, Mary has found the moment. She anoints Jesus ahead of his death. She anoints his feet, just as Jesus will soon wash the feet of the disciples in an upper room. There was godly purpose in this act of worship. Worship is never wasted. Jesus reminds Judas that occasions like the one he's witnessing are precious and fleeting, fickle and gone in a moment. That's the way with worship, isn't it? At its best, it's filled with beauty, fueled by love and gratitude. Yet because Jesus has yet to come a second time, our ability to remain in that moment of beautiful worship slips away all too readily. There are lots of opinions about worship. Just like Judas had opinions about how to use this financial worship, 
and some of those views might seem compelling. And as a vicar, I can reassure you very genuinely that people are never reluctant to share with you their views about worship. I can be totally confident that Tom, Melissa and David would be exceptionally rich if they had a pound for every comment that they'd had about worship, whether it be, I was touched by that, or X was moved by this, or that worship was dreadful and that was really appalling. They'd be total millionaires by now. However, I think Mary shows us something beautiful in this passage that turns that concept of worship on its head. This act of worship of hers wasn't about how it left her feeling. It wasn't about how Mary felt. It was about touching God. It was worship that touched the soul of God. So, in conclusion, I don't think Jesus is offering us in this passage a competition between spiritual worship and material acts of social justice. This is just a case of the extravagant worship that we should lavish on both. It isn't an either or. It's be extravagant in your worship of Jesus. And it's a case of you will always have the poor with you. But in the face of both of those, we should try and touch the feet of God every opportunity we can. The significance of Christ's death that comes a week after this story should motivate us in our generosity for the poor and the suffering. And in that beautiful, intimate, extravagant worship of God, where it's more about us receiving Christ's invitation and turning towards him, and less about how we feel. Precisely so that we don't shortchange either. Amen. Now, this is the exciting bit. I love this. We are going to reflect on this passage a little more deeply together because there are lots of people who've studied the Bible much longer than I have in this room and online. So a slide's going to appear, hopefully, with a phone number at the top of it and with a number of questions. Now, what I'd like you to do, if you are a super, super introvert, please stay on your own. You have permission to do so. Um, but do text in some replies to these questions. If you want to, grab a group of people, some who you know, some who you don't, around you, and you have 10 minutes to discuss these questions. But in your groups, I'd like you to assign a scribe who texts into John and I the comments that you make. And then we're going to use that to finish the sermon. <laughs> Radical. At home, no get-out clause. Those of you at home have to do this too. So please um, come and join us in our whole church Bible study. And we look forward to hearing your wisdom. Amen. Everybody, I hope you're enjoying your discussions. Wow, what an amazing bubble of knowledge.
I've got some of the most incredible texts here. Um, I'm going to have to work out how I hold them all. Um, wasteful worship, someone suggests, is when we opt for something else than not God. When we look elsewhere other than to God for worship. When we spend our time to make more money um, but don't have an outlet for that finance. Um, it's just the, a lot of people have reflected on the beauty of the image that we used of Mary um, wiping Jesus' feet and just what that intimacy looks like in worship. It's quite a challenge to me personally. Uh, it's really difficult to reach out to God not expecting a response, but then occasionally God is gracious enough and we have those breakthrough moments where there's a moment of beauty. Interesting, someone said, Mary valued Jesus very highly, but Judas only valued Jesus at 30 coins. Wow, what a challenge. And look, a couple of people have reflected that um, sometimes we don't give ourselves enough space for silence. Okay, hands up, introverts in the room. I'm going to put half a hand up because I do both. I'm a real extrovert and then I'm a real introvert. Okay, so yeah, sometimes we need those moments of silence to capture the intimacy, don't we? Intimacy, you don't often reflect as a noisy space. What does that mean? The gift was just nothing was held back in Mary's gift, was there? And in our society, don't we have that challenge? I love a comment here. Um, the challenge to worship wastefully. Normally, I would try to be productive and useful, etc. Just to be abundantly with God is something quite different. Just to be abundantly with God is something quite different. Oh my goodness, John, are you going to rewrite your sermon for tonight based on all these comments? John says he might invite some of you to come and do it. I wonder if there are any people who are in the room who didn't manage to text anything in, or if some of the comments that I've shared has triggered anything. John's also here and can run around the room with the mic, so if you've got a thought that's just bubbling, feel free to chip in. Fabulous, thank you. For me personally, it's always been time rather than money. Uh, time is very, very precious. And so spending two hours not doing anything is costly. So just that thought about time being something costly and not doing anything being really, really difficult. I've got a comment here whilst John's walking elsewhere. Worship is not about consumerism. We're struck by the picture and the intimacy of the act, letting go of something we consider to be valuable for our lives, for something more valuable. Wasteful worship makes us consider giving joyfully. We've heard this passage so many times, but it brings a useful new way of looking at it. So thanks to Dan Bright, who suggested the title and the passage. 
And yeah, so picking up on that last comment, I think wasteful worship perhaps is um, worship that looks foolish to the world. So maybe getting up early to pray or, you know, like we said, giving up time or all money um, for God. Brilliant. We've got a um, reflection about social justice and worship later on in our sermon series. Oh, I'm trying to work out if someone's doing this to do their hair or whether they put their hand up. <laughs> what grabbed me most was how Mary had prepared for this meeting by obtaining this expensive perfume. Her motives are criticized by Jesus and probably many others. It all sh- but she knew what she t- what needed to do and didn't waver. Somebody else asked, um, did Mary buy this for this event? And there are lots of different commentaries that say slightly different things, and that's normal for theologians, right? They all disagree about everything. Um, one of the comments was that it might have been the burial anointing um, material that was left over from when Jesus raised Jude, Lazarus from the dead. Others have... have um, suspected that it might have been bought for when Jesus um, passes, passed away and then obviously was used ahead of time. Um, but there are lots of different reflections on why this was purchased, whether it was purchased particularly for this moment. Um, so no resounding agreement amongst the theologians on that matter. Um, let's see, is there, there was one more that I found. Um, again it comes back to that thing about intimacy intimacy and the power of focusing on God rather than our comfort of worship and expressing worship in public being quite a challenging thing to do so I don't know about you but um, I've been on a bit of a journey with comfort in worship and what public expression of that looks like and sometimes um, it's a bit like growing a muscle So when my son Tom was quite little, um, he went along to swimming club and I used to take him and because I took him, I then got co-opted into coaching and had to be trained how to coach. And one of the things that you do with people when you're trying to help them learn to swim is build up muscle memory. And it's like this repeated action of doing a stroke. Your, your, Your muscles remember how to do it as well as your brain. And I wonder if it's a bit like that worship sometimes. We need to build up muscle memory of learning how to worship in a beautiful way so that we can, so that we can grow and, and um, so that we learn to be more familiar with the Holy Spirit's voice in our life, calling us to know God the Father and God the Son more, in a more precious way. Anyway, I... There's so many comments, I can't capture them all, so apologies if I've missed one of your really fleeting comments. You can come and find me after the service and and remind me of which one of these beautiful comments were yours. Uh, I can't attribute them because they've just got mobile phone numbers, so there you go. You are are allowed to give your comments in in private. So let's just take a moment to pause and imagine ourselves in that room with Jesus. So close, you might want to close your eyes if you're comfortable with that. Just imagine what it felt like for Mary, touching Jesus' feet and anointing them with the perfume. How did her heart feel when she knew she was going to break open that bottle just before she poured it? 
What did it smell like as she took the lid off? What was her reaction when Judas got upset? Lord Jesus, help us to reach out and touch you. We know that wasteful worship is fleeting. Equip us from our conversations today to be more like Mary. Help us to know what intimacy and worship with you looks like. Help us to be more lavish in how we love you, Lord Jesus. And help us to be exuberant in how we speak of you, Lord Jesus, with our friends and those who've yet to know you. Help us to manage that tension of competition between worship of you and using our resources in the wider world for your kingdom to come. Amen. <laughs>